The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Pressure throws it to Eckler on the screen. He's got a block to the 10, to the 5, into the end zone. High pass. Did Williams make that catch? My goodness. Three for a first down. Herbert with time. Now running out of time. Throws on the run. Down the sideline. Caught in the end zone. Keenan Allen for the touchdowns. Throws, and again, it's intercepted. And that's Asante Samuel. Here's another. Oh, watch out. How did it feel when Derwin James absolutely powerbombed the f*** out of you on national television? You're listening to the Shock Therapy Podcast with Tyler Lawrence and Zach Alfers. Boom, and we're back this time talking about tight ends. Uh, We're going to be talking about three each, three of our favorite guys, three guys that we scouted. Uh, And there is potential, I think, that the Chargers could be drafting a tight end pretty early. I know Daniel Popper of the Athletics said that Gerald Everett potentially could be a cut candidate. I personally would like to keep Gerald Everett because I thought he played very well for us last year. Yep. Seems to be coming into his own. But this is a super, super strong class of tight ends. Uh, I'll let you take the reins first. T- give me a little bit about your first uh, tight end that you would like uh, to see wearing powder blue next season. Yeah. Um, first off, I think this is one of the most – the deepest classes in, in the in, in the entire draft this year, uh, which I think it, it does bode well because we do have some question marks at the tight end position. I, I like what Gerald Everett has done, um, just not very consistent as a blocker, which at, at this level and where we are at as a, a team, I think you need somebody who can do both. Uh, Donald Parham has dealt with the injuries, and then I think you saw Trey McKitty kind of regress as a blocker and then not really – uh, progress as much as you'd like to see him and the receiving end. So we're, we're kind of in, in a gray area could use some help. Um, if the guys in house live up to their potential, I don't think there's a huge need, but, uh, can always play what ifs. And so one of the guys that I was looking at in a deep class is he's one of the top prospects, regardless of position right now. And that's Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame. Um, and whenever you're setting records at Notre Dame, you're doing something right, especially, at that position um you got guys like tyler eifert and was it kyle rudolph and anthony fasano way back when and just this list of nfl tight ends who've had great careers coming from that school in in particular and michael mayer had a better career than any of those guys uh finished his, his collegiate career with 180 receptions 2099 yards and 18 touchdowns um which are all career records. He also has three single season records. Um, that is a lot of record breaking uh, for one man. And so um, they're talking about him as one of the all around best tight end prospects of all time. Um, and there's just no glaring weakness to his game. Obviously he does some things better than others, uh, but there's no just, oh, he needs to get better at this. And, you know, the first thing you, you notice when you're looking at is just reels and reels of highlights are, how he's able to go and body these guys in contested catch situations. Um, he's just a bully. And it's actually interesting to see, you know, how he uses his, his body, how he out bullies people and muscles them at the catch point. 
because he doesn't have great length. He just has a really great understanding of using his body. He'd be a phenomenal uh, power forward if, if he was, you know, five inches taller, uh, just because he is just a, a load down there in the block, uh, in the red zone, over the middle. Uh, it doesn't matter where. He, he is a tough guy to pry the, the ball out of his hands. And he's just as physical after the catch. He, he's not a guy that you are, are hoping to meet in, in the open field because um, he's not going to go down easy. And something you really see typically with a guy who's 6'4", 250 pounds, um, and he uses that size to get in and out of breaks. It is really surprising to see um, his burst in and out of, of his routes. Um, he has he has solid run after the catch ability, or he has solid route running ability. He uses that to create separation. So even when they they he doesn't need those contested catch situations, he's creating separation with with that burst, with that route running. Um, and it's scary because he doesn't, like I said, he doesn't need that much room. And as good as a, at, when you look at his run blocking, I, I think he's he's solid there. Um, but I think you saw their streaks, especially early on in his career, where he just didn't seem interested in, in that phase of the game. Um, and just I saw him just a little inconsistent as a blocker. Now I think he ironed that out, especially last year. Um, I think it was more of an effort thing because when he was engaged, when he was getting after people, he was doing his job. He was moving people out. He was creating holes. Um, and so, yeah, I didn't see that the last couple of years on, on his film, just something I saw early on as a freshman. Um, and I think he's going to improve in that regard when he gets to some NFL coaching. He gets some guys in his corner, letting them know what he's doing right and what he's doing wrong. Uh, I just think he ha has tremendous upside. They're calling him Baby Gronk. Um, I think that's a, you know. Everybody gets that nickname, it seems like. <laughs> yeah, it's something to strive for. And until we see another Gronk, I, I think it's just kind of, you know, the new Michael Jordan. Like, we're, we're not going to see a new another Michael Jordan. Gronk, Gronk is a one of a kind, but it's always something to, you know, it, it is something to take merit when you are getting compared to these guys. So there's something there. Um, I, I thought something that was interesting, though, at 6'4", he only has a 76-inch wingspan, which is in the bottom 8 percentile of NFL, um, of collegiate tight ends, which will be even smaller at the NFL level. Um, and when you look at that wingspan, that's typically what you see from 5'10", 6-foot receivers. So interesting. I don't think it's going to be a big knock because, like I said, he he does have a great understanding of body positioning, um, but still something to consider when you're looking at guys in the NFL who are ridiculously long and athletic um, could potentially cause some problems but i think he he he's just so well-rounded he's gonna go in the top 10 picks um i don't think there's a realistic chance the chargers get him but if he's there at 21 you got to take some serious serious consideration yeah i definitely think you have to i think mayor's probably the most well-rounded prospect to come out in the last couple years and if you really look the last couple years uh since 2019 there's only been four players drafted in the first two rounds trey mcbride kyle pitts Pat Freermuth, Cole Komet. And those are the only four guys in the last three years to be drafted at that position, which is a little interesting because I think there could be four or five drafted in the, the first two rounds this year. I'm going to talk yeah. about Dalton Kincaid, uh, 6'4", 240 pounds from Utah. I have a, a, a late first, kind of an early second round for him. I ended up watching the Colorado USC in the USC Pac-12 championship. 
Uh, after just a single season of high school football out of Las Vegas, Nevada, Kincaid actually attended USD, University of San Diego, for his freshman and sophomore years. As a sophomore in 2019, he had 835 yards receiving, which was the second most among all tight ends in the FCS. And, and he had a he he only played four games or something like that. But he finished the season, uh, the following season, with 36 receptions, 519 yards, eight touchdowns. Last year was a, another breakout year for him. Uh, 79 receptions, 890 yards. He had the second most um, all tight ends in the FBS. Another eight touchdowns. Was it John? game he runs super crisp routes i admit he's agile he's just really like a, a really good athlete from a wide receiver just this just doesn't happen he only had two drops and 93 total targets, caught over 50% of his total contested targets. Uh, his hands are super strong, but he's also, like, really, really dangerous with the ball in his hands. He had 16 missed tackles, um, which ranks the third highest among all tight ends. So this guy is a, a threat with the ball. He's a threat as a wide receiver. As a blocker, though, he's a little undersized. He's only 240 pounds. You typically want your tight ends to be, like, 250 um, there's only three starting tight ends in 200 um, whatever team drafts him is going to get him uh, like I said, he hasn't been playing organized football all that long. So small FCS school uh, and then only one year of high school football and then two years at the, a much stronger Pac-12 level. Uh, he's being talked about as potential first round pick. Um, I think a lot of teams are looking at his size and, you know, maybe pushing him into the second round. I've even seen some mock drafts have him in the third round. There's no chance he makes it third round. I think he's just too dynamic as a wide receiver. Uh, he is a fifth-year senior, 24 years old, so he's a little bit older than what you would typically want, especially when you look at a guy like Michael Mayer, who's three years younger than he is. That's like a that's a big difference. So I don't think he's drafted anywhere close to where Mayer is going to be drafted because I feel like Mayer is much more well-rounded I see Mayer going in the top 15 picks easily. I think Kincaid is kind of going to be on the outside of being a first round looking in, um, probably more of a, a second round pick. But I think that he's a day one starter, creates enormous mismatch opportunities as a receiver. If he gets lined up against linebackers, safeties, that's going to be a mismatch because they still think he's got more size than a safety. And I think he's way more athletic than a linebacker. So Dalton Kincaid, he's, he's going to be a dynamic player in the NFL for the next five to 10 years. He's, he's just super, super good.
Yeah, he's fun to watch. Um, and I think the size thing, especially at a, a position, a, a skill position, the, the what's necessary and required at the college level is so different than the NFL level. Um, you know, get this guy in an NFL offseason, have him bulk up with strength and conditioning programs that are, are built for that. I, I think he'll be fine because, like you said, he, he's just too dynamic as a, as a receiver to, to pass up. Um, a guy, though, who doesn't have that problem, um, who's absolutely built and teams are going to absolutely love um, the, the frame that this guy brings. And that's Tucker Kraft out, out of South Dakota State. Just a very dense and compact 6'5", 255. Uh, was actually a running back in high school. Had over 50 touchdowns at running back coming out of high school. Um, was talked about as like the, the next Derrick Henry. Um, but then ended up switching to tight end, which I think is, is a good fit for him. I don't think he has nobody. He, he's not he's not Derrick Henry. He just doesn't have the burst. Uh, but he is he's strong. That's what you're getting from from a guy like this. And he had his best year in 2021, 65 catches, 770 yards, six touchdowns. And then last year was injured, but was still able to produce 25 catches, 320 yards, three touchdowns, and combines just very, very soft hands with just incredible strength. He's, he's a good athlete. He's, he's not elite by any means, but this dude is boxing people out. You are not going to run through him. He He's just too big. And I think Using his frame, he's a little longer than Meyer, uh, just as strong, just as hard to get around. Um, I think day one, he's going to be an immediate impact in the red zone, um, in short yarded situations where you don't need a whole lot of separation. You're just trying to get a ball and let a guy make a play. Um, he, he's that type of guy. And at his size, I do think he has good long speed, but it does take him a while to to get there. Um, he's He isn't a burner. But he will threaten defenses because he does have some speed. Once he gets past 10 yards and he's going, um, he, he can create pressure in, in the deep part of the field through the seams. Um, just not something that DBs are going to fear. What they're going to fear is trying to tackle this guy or trying to outbody him um, in the red zone. Now, I, I still think he has enough to enough speed to offer a little bit of run after catchability. Um and I think what he does the best, though, is is making high-quality adjustments with the ball in the air. Um, he's not somebody you need to throw an absolute dart to. He's great at lowering himself for those underthrown balls going down and getting those low balls, which it's not something you see from, from guys his size. Um, and he's not going to beat you with lateral mobility. He is He's trying to fight you. He's going to fight off multiple uh, tackle attempts. He has some nasty stiff arms. Have you got a chance to take a look at, at Tucker Craft's film? Yeah, so he's he's aggressive. He's physical. Um, and I really like how they lined him up all over the place. He yeah. was lined up in line. He's lined up in the slot, lined up as a wing. And they even put him outside sometimes. So he was just all over the place. Yeah, it, he's tough to deal with. And you, you could see some of those traits why he was a, a, such a good high school running back because um, he's a, a terrible Might be a Toby Gerhardt yeah, like, as a running back. That's a good comparison. I, I, I've all, and I'll always saw him falling forward with at six, five, being able to get low and drive through that. That is, that is something you're looking for. Um, and that translates in, into the, the second phase of the game too. He is a very powerful, high energy blocker wants to get out of, get after it. 
Um, and he's not slowing up until the whistle. Sometimes you need to blow that two or three times because he is finishing guys. Um, and he wins with leverage. He's always low. He's looking to embarrass people. He's always depositing people into the turf. Um, and he's never stopping his feet. All things that you're looking for from that position, um, in in the blocking phase, um, his burst in and out of routes. I think that's where you're kind of looking at the other guys. Um, I think he lacks a little bit there. His, his, his routes are not crisp at all. Um, he, he doesn't have that explosiveness, um, that leads to poor acceleration and, and in tight quarters, it's not really wh- where, where he excels, where he excels is with at least two, three steps of momentum. Um, he's a lot more effective in space. And when he's allowed to get a, he- a full head of steam, the dude is, is like a, a, a steamboat. You don't want to be in his way. Get the heck out of the way. I don't, you're not stopping him. Um, he, he's similar to Derrick Henry in that sense, where if you get him in his first two or three steps, that's where you want to be. Anything after that, watch out because you are going to get lit up. I'm going to talk about Darnell Washington. <laughs> wow. Uh, 6'7", 265 pounds. Woo. I don't know why or how Georgia gets guys that are like this because these guys don't exist. By the way, that 6'7", <laughs> 265 is his high school measurements. I have no idea what he's going to measure like at the Combine. By the way, the combine is uh, starting on Friday, next Friday. Is it? Is it Maybe already Monday. here? Yeah, the combine is here. So he's going to be one of those guys you, you're going to want to look for. Wow, this offseason just jumping through. Yeah, it's just coming by quick. So as a high school senior, he measured in at 6'7", 265 pounds. I mean, this guy was ranked as a 23rd national player in his high school recruiting class out of Nevada. There's not a bigger, more athletic guy at his size, maybe ever. Like, this is the closest comparison you're going to get to Gronk, and he's bigger than Gronk. Uh, he could seriously play offensive tackle right now and be successful at it. Um, he's got the strength and the physique to go toe-to-toe with 280-pound edge rushers, and you're going to have confidence that he's not just going to win, but he's going to dominate. He's going to be an elite block blocker to start his career. Like that's the floor. That's that's the floor of where we start at. Uh, as a tight end, he's going to be used as a trap blocker. He's going to be immediately improve the run game for any team that drafts. And you could put him in as a fullback in certain sets and let him just blow defenders off his feet. Simply put, like he's a snowplow. And he's the type of snowplow you want your running back running behind. Add a play, play action. You can have him stay in as a pass blocker, not worry about pressure getting the cornerback. Line up up in line and let him just kick out big ends or speedy outside, smaller outside linebackers. And you're still going to get just everything you need protection-wise out of this guy. Uh, An area that's going to work against Washington is going to be his ability as a true receiver. Uh, He has some similarities to Jelani Woods, who was drafted last year. Just another big guy who's just not, not supposed to move the way that he does. Uh, and last year, the Colts selected Jelani Woods in the third round. Uh, but this he, he's not a liability in the passing game. He's got a huge catch radius. Uh, he has the ability to contort for some misplaced balls. He's got massive hands. And he's going to come down with some contested catches. I think he can still be a threat in the red zone and in situations where he's asked to box out defenders because he's going to be really good at that. He's just not going to be able to create separation on his own, which is going to be the main drawback of a guy that big, his size, not a guy that's got, you know, a quick stop and go um, 
the ability to change direction. That's just not his game. But if you give him like a, a long runway, uh, he's going to be able to be used as a vertical threat, but it's got to be a long runway. This guy's not going to be able to take off on an aircraft carrier and think that he's going to be able to take flight. Uh, it takes him a long time to get the wheels moving. Um, he just doesn't have that change of direction and that agility as a receiver to, to, to give you what NFL teams want out of that position. Uh, you're going to have to game plan some mismatches for him because of his size. Uh, that size can translate into rackability. Like he's a he's a monster to bring down. He's a got a freakish stiff arm. He can blow through shoulder tackles. He's going to fight for extra yards, and he even hurdles defenders. That just kind of shows his overall athleticism. Just because he is big does not mean he's not athletic. He's just not agile. Um, watching Washington compared to his opponents, it's like watching a high school football player play on a Pop Warner high school football team or a Pop Warner team, like a you know like a an 18-year-old kid playing with a bunch of 10-year-old kids. That's that's what like, you're getting. Like that uh, kid who won the Florida competition this this summer. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just he's just so much bigger than everybody. According to PFF, he's training toward picks 50 to 70. Uh, considering Jelani Woods was drafted in the early part of the third round, that really is the floor because he's a better player than Jelani Woods overall. Um Jelani was probably the closest comparable player in terms of just size and, and those measurables. But I think that what you're getting out of Washington is a, a better run blocker and a guy who maybe not as uh, great as a receiver, but still can be used in that. Um, so that's kind of his floor. I kind of have him going in, in the mid to, to late second round. And I think he'd be a phenomenal football player because you could do so much with him to improve the run game, to create mismatches in the red zone. Like Darnell Washington's probably one of my favorite players in this entire draft. One of those, you know, everyone's got my guys, right? Like Darnell Washington's my guy. And it's just because he gives you so much to 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 as a as a as a weapon. So much as a tool. So just a a little tidbit to the listeners. Um every day every every time we we do these position breakdowns we me and tyler always have a draft and um he gave me (laughs) he was he was nice enough to give me the first quarterback pick because he wanted the first tight end pick and over dalton kincaid over michael mayer he took darnell washington so that's that's where his head is um just want to throw that out there (laughs) because he's just so much fun yeah i love the guy no and i I do love those drafts we uh, we've already done our wide receiver draft so they're fun so who who do we want to break down the most? And that's that was my first overall pick. Sometimes he beat me to the shot. Yeah, no, that was a guy I would like to break down. But it, you did a great job there, and that dude is going to be such an absolute nightmare at the next level. Excited to see his career. Um, the the last guy I took a look at was Cameron Latu, the tight end out of Alabama. Um, actually, a, a converted edge player was a four four star recruit out of high school. Um, Actually came to Alabama as an edge, played one game in 2018, and then was redshirt in the rest of, of that year. Um, just couldn't break the depth chart. You know, was was a was a depth piece. Um, and I mean, Alabama has just a, a plethora of edge pieces. So decided to, you know, they had a great player in Latu. They just wanted to throw him over there on the other side of the ball, see what he could do. And um, the rest is kind of history. It, in 2019, still just used as a depth piece. Um, 2020 didn't really play 
a whole lot and then really broke out in 2021 which I think is, a, you know, just a testament to his work ethic um, and the fact that nothing really gets this guy down. Because even in 2021, he was still the number two tight end on that depth chart um, behind Jaleel Billingsley, who, because of Latu's breakout season that year, left, went to Texas. Um, and, and now they're both entering the draft at the same time. And you, you kind of see their positions kind of flip flop. Um, I've seen Latu like six, seven. Um at the at the position um and then i've seen him in like the 15 range and you kind of see jaleel in like the 8 9 15 range as well so they kind of flip flop depending on on what metrics people are are, are analyzing them on um but in 2021 it was lot to show 26 catches 410 yards and eight touchdowns a school record while splitting time uh with another nfl caliber player um in billingsley so what you get with lot very, very reliable and consistent player. You know what you're going to get from him before the, the whistle blows. Um, he's just an absolute student of the game. He, he's very, very intellectual, uh, very high IQ. Um, and I think he uses that beyond just, you know, the, the, the elite athleticism, the, the, un, the, the measurables that you're looking for. I think it's his brain that kind of separates him and allows him to continuously climb depth charts at a position that wasn't really his natural position. Um, and, and he uses that to, you know, to find his role. Um, another guy similar to Tucker Craft, where he has a lot of versatility. Um, Alabama likes to move their guys around, trying to create mismatches. And you saw a lot to perform uh, as an inline tight end from the slot outside on the um, perimeter as a receiver. And I think his versatility is one of his better traits. He's very explosive in and out of his breaks. Um, and. Another guy that you don't need to throw accurate balls to because um, he just has a natural ability of adjusting to that ball. Um, his hands, I think, have some magnets because there's some balls that he gets to that just come out of nowhere. Um, he, he's really good at adjusting to the ball when it's in the air. He has strong hands at the catch point. Um, once he, he gets his grip on it, you're, you're not getting that thing out. Um, it's, a, it's a catch um, every time. And I, I think his speed and his athleticism, they were good enough to allow him to produce in college. But that's what have him. That's what most scouts have him in the, that 10 range at the position, just because they're, they're not elite by any means. Um, people are kind of worried about how that will translate to the NFL level. Um, he, he is 244 pounds, but people do think it's a little small for his 6'5 frame. So a little talk about. He'll need to bulk up for the NFL. Um, and where do you have him being drafted? Uh, I think he's like a. I think he's a third round, um, probably like a fourth round guy. Um, just because he he he's he's good, he's consistent, but he's just not. He doesn't wow you. Um, he doesn't have top end speed. He you know. I, I think, think he's a really gonna... good receiver. I think that he still needs, and it's weird to say an Alabama tight end needs to to develop his blocking ability. No, but I feel I... like he's just he's not very interested in it in terms of like, and it's it's impressive because he flipped Jaleel Billingsley like he, he, sent he jumped him, him on the depth chart, right? Yeah. No, but uh... he just needs to improve some of that blocking ability. I feel like. No, you're absolutely right. That was that's my biggest weakness on him is is his work as a blocker. Um, at, at in college, you know, just way too high, always getting overpowered. Um, but this is a guy, 
and I think it just speaks to him. He's going to find a way into an NFL roster, and people are going to be pleased because he is an absolute coach's pet. He is there to learn, and we also got to take into consideration that this is a uh, his second. His this is not his natural position. Blocking doesn't always come, you know, it's not an intuitive skill. You do have to work at it. Um, and he, I don't think he's he's shy of hard work. Um, he is a contagious work ethic. Um, and he was actually the senior bowl practice player of the week. Um, and I think that's all testament to he takes coaching extremely well. And, and the big thing you were you heard um, from the coaches that coached him is that he he um improved tremendously as a blocker and so i think if you continue to allow him that nfl coaching get that nfl coaching around him get some guys around him that can show him the way he's going to figure it out uh just because he's he's just a really really smart cat all right i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about luke musgrove uh 6'6 249 pounds out of oregon state i have a fourth round grade on him not because of his skill level but because of his production so he is the nephew of former NFL quarterback Bill Musgrave. Uh, he's also Coach Musgrave now. Ended his season with a knee injury in September this this past September. Only played in two games, but he's still getting a lot of kind of early round hype, like second, third round. Uh, in two games, he had 11 receptions on 15 targets, 169 yards. Um, so that's pretty elite production from the tight end position. But he was only targeted 37 times uh, throughout his whole four-year career. He's only got 47 total receptions uh, for 633 yards. A big part of that is just the lack of targets. Oregon State did not throw his way very often. He did play in this last Senior Bowl, and most of the buzz is his speed and threat as a wide receiver. Um, As a 250-pound athlete, he was the only player to break the 20-mile-per-hour uh, threshold at the senior bowl uh, and he has been recorded with a 451 40 yard dash a 36 inch vert and a 10.2 broad jump that's elite testing numbers and he p- could potentially approve upon that uh, here at the combine coming up um, he has ex- tested extremely well he made the Feldman's freaks list I uh, should be a name to watch at the tight end at at the combine in relation to other tight ends, because I think he has a lot of room to improve his draft stock. Um, for tight ends, you want to see typically between 6'4 and 6'6, 250 to 266 pounds. You want to see a 40-yard dash below 4'6. You want to see all these things, and he's already checked all those boxes. Uh, he has the ability to be really dangerous in the seams. He's explosive off the line of scrimmage. And he's just he's just dynamic as a pass catcher. He's got a lot of rackability just from the speed aspect alone. Uh, it doesn't break many tackles, but he turns out those extra yards. Uh, Musgrove, like a, a deterrent, is going to be his blocking ability. Plays high. He lets guys get around him. Um, it's more of like a technique issue. There were moments where I could see him driving defenders back, uh, but it's he just lets defenders disengage way too often. A PFF estimate Musgrave's draft position is going to trend between picks 35 and 50. That seems a little high for a player who doesn't have any statistical consistency whatsoever. I think you look at the game film, you say you try to project that forward. But I mean, for a guy who, who wasn't targeted very much, I feel like that's a little bit of a wild card, especially with such a strong class of tight ends. Um, it, it really would be difficult for me to go and take him in the second round without 
having the same amount of information as you do on other guys like Mayer, like Latu, like uh, Kincaid, right? Um, so I think that he's probably going to go a little further in the, the middle to, to, you know, third to fourth round, in my opinion. Uh, real quick, I'll talk about Sam Laporta as well, because I did uh, I did do a full article on, on the top tight ends in this draft class. Uh, Sam Laporta out of Iowa, fourth round grade on him. Uh, he's been known for producing high quality pass catching for tight ends. Uh, Iowa has been known for producing high quality tight ends for years. You look at George Kittle, TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant, all guys that have been really successful starters since 2016. I think that trend can continue Laporta. Um, he was a wide receiver and defensive back at a high school in Illinois over the last two seasons, 135 receptions, 2,800 yards, 40 touchdowns. Um, you also add in high school, he had 14 interceptions on the other side of the ball. So it's surprising that Laporta wasn't highly recruited as a three-star prospect. His only offers were Bowling Green and Central Michigan. Took one visit to Iowa and it landed his commitment. Um, he's been a quality red zone threat for, for the Iowa Hawkeyes. They haven't had a, a really good quarterback under center. Uh, and he's not the strongest in contested situations. Uh, but he was the third highest targeted tight end in the NCAA last year. Uh, Laporta had just six drops, which made up uh, a drop on nearly 10% of his targets. So that's kind of like an issue. I uh, caught 37% of his targets in traffic. That's kind of bad because for a player that's going to be getting most of his targets in traffic, playing tight end, that's far worse than you'd like to see from the position. Uh, some of those issues are related to who the Hawkeyes had behind center. Some of it's just his overall, his own grade. A PFF grades Laporta with a 53.1 run block grade. Um, that's not really all that great. That ranked 20th in the Big Ten alone, let alone the entire NCAA. He's not the biggest guy. doesn't have the elite size. Uh, he doesn't have the strength or aggressive, aggressiveness in the run game right now. I think Laporta is going to be a project, uh, a mid-round, fourth-round, fifth-round type of guy. I think he has some athleticism, some uh, ability as a receiver, as a run-after-catch kind of guy. But nobody, like, he's he's toward the back end of this list in terms of tight ends. Uh, other big tight ends up in that 250 range, top 250 players, you got Luke Schoonmaker from Michigan, Zach Kuntz, Old Dominion, Payne Durham from Purdue, a um, couple other guys on there as well. It is a really, really strong class. I think as many as 10 tight ends, maybe 15 could be drafted in this class. But I look at a guy like Laporta and all of the other strong options ahead of him, I see that it's probably going to make him drop down draft boards. If you want to read about any of these players, uh, be sure to go onto our website, uh, lacshocktherapy.wixsite.com. You'll be able to find this uh, here in a couple of days. You'll be able to find a whole slot wide receivers, X wide receivers, Z wide receivers article that I've been working on. And let me know if you guys want any other players that you guys want to scout, I'll go ahead and do that. Uh, any closing remarks, Zach? Just that I didn't realize how close we were. The draft starts Tuesday. Next the combine. Tuesday. Oh, yeah, the, the, the combine. The combine starts Tuesday. But you know what you are seeing right now? You are seeing a lot of teams already starting to restructure guys, already start to re-sign their own guys. So, I mean, the the – Free agency period starts in three weeks. Yeah, we're close. Uh, things this are going to start exciting getting exciting. This is an exciting time with football for me. 
It is. Um, you know, we're, and we're zero zero. It's it's always more fun when um, you know you're you're even keel with the Super Bowl champions. So yeah. So yeah, there's a lot going on in the next week. You'll start to see the Chargers start to re-sign some of their own talent, start to restructure some of their own guys. Needs I mean, teams are already doing. If I check my my Twitter right now, we've been podcasting now for an hour and a half. I bet you'd be able to find Two this hours. team resign this person right off the bat. Cameron By- uh, Byron Jones, uh, maybe not. <laughs> Anyways, like it, it's it's a big time right now for a lot of restructures, a lot of players getting signed. We've been seeing just a slew of front office decisions going through. I mean, the NFL season never stops. Mm-mm. No, it's going to be fun. Um, we got a, a fun offseason for you, so stay tuned. We got we got you all covered. And then we got some stickers, too. I don't know if you had a chance to take a look at I did. <laughs> you got any you guys get a sticker put on your car at some point in time. I won't, like, stick it onto the car. I'll just kind of leave it underneath your <laughs> or uh wiper but you'll you'll see trying to do get some, a sticker uh, and then you got to uh print out some um some podcast mixtapes and leave those in people's cars yeah too. that's a good way to do it some mixtapes i should go and start selling them <laughs> on uh slanging them the at the gas station yeah that's the way to do it <laughs> all right any we... closing remarks zach no just that uh I'm, I'm excited combine's coming up we got some freaks showing up um i'm excited week. to see what darnell washington does at the combine he's darnell will be in it uh i'll give a little just a, a little tidbit a little teaser for next week but um quentin johnston is going to be an absolute animal at that the wide out from from tcu um a lot of freaky freaky athletes showing up so excited really speedy to... guys josh downs is one of those guys that you also drafted that you'll be breaking down but he's extremely quick too there's some there's fast dudes um and this is kind of where you see especially for us the public who doesn't get to go and, and meet these guys in person and doesn't aren't there for the, the the personal workouts this is really where you know as the outside media we really get to see guys separate and and kind of answer the the question marks that they do have so um it's an exciting time couldn't be more more thrilled for the combine all right well we'll bring you guys content from the combine next week uh i'm gonna be out wednesday to sunday i'll be in texas try to figure out what we're gonna do about the pod but i mean we got two uh episodes that we should be dropping sometime in the next week so thank you guys so much for listening we'll talk to you guys next week later